Hi everyone, and welcome to another broadcast of Faith Life with Pastor Earl and Friends. We're so excited that you joined us. We're going to teach you the Word of God verse by verse. We'll be looking at the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 4. We'll try to get through the entire chapter and give you an exposition about the throne of God, about heaven's administration. So amidst all the chaos and the difficulty of this world, you can set your affection on things above, knowing that everything's okay in my Father's house. This particular broadcast is sponsored by A Platinum Limousines. That's Mike Green. And if you want him to bring you a nice ride for a special event, call Mike Green. He'll bring you a limousine. 410-796-7430. 410-796-7430. If you're planning a special event or anything, please give Mike a call. Let him know that you heard about him on Faith Life with Pastor Earl and Friends. Also, if you would like to underwrite this ministry, if you would like to give and be a part of the expansion of it, as we're planning on going into even more platforms, my next goal, I believe the Holy Spirit is in, that we will go to the YouTube channel. So that'll be next. But if you would like to contribute to this ministry, please email me at charisman, C H A R I S M A N, 1234 at gmail.com. Charisman at 1234. Charisman1234, I apologize, at gmail.com or text me at 386-795-8494. A portion of anything that you give toward this ministry will go toward some projects that the church that Anita and I are attending are involved in. They have some projects of education in Africa and water um, production and so we'd like to give toward that. Also they have some safe houses for some rescue ministries. So for the month of November, if you contribute to Faith Life with Pastor Earl and friends, you can either be a sponsor or just simply underwrite us, please. Give me a text or a, an email, and we would appreciate that deeply. As you give, we can expand this ministry, and also we can reach out to others that are hurting. So we're going to be in Revelation chapter 4 today. Revelation chapter 4, remember... The outline that the Holy Spirit has given for the book of the Revelation, that outline is 
chapter 1, verse 19, where John is instructed, write the things which thou hast seen, that's the risen glorified Christ of chapter 1, write the things which are, that's the era of the church, chapters 2 and 3, the era that we're living in right now, we're believing that our Lord will come very soon. The signs of the times are here. The pinpointing of what's going on in Israel, the armies of the north, etc. And so we believe that is connected with Ezekiel, the 38th chapter. Somehow, even if it's just setting the stage for that, Israel is a key figure. And when the word of God says in Luke 21, when you see them surrounded, know that your redemption is drawing nigh. Also the signs of the last days that Jesus gave in Matthew 24, verses six to eight. You say, are you trying to scare us? And the answer is absolutely not. We're just trying to inspire you if you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior. I didn't ask about your religion. I didn't ask about your denomination or your background. Jesus is for you. He wants to be your Lord and Savior. All you need to do is repent of your sin and receive him today. Also, we're looking at chapter 1, verse 19, right? The things that thou hast seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. I believe that is the Holy Spirit's outline for the book of the Revelation. Now, this is also a beautiful thought. When he said that in 119, there's a Greek phrase, metatauta, he uses the same word in chapter 4 in verse 1. Now, let me give you a review of the first five verses, then we'll get into verses 6 and following. After this, the church era, chapters 2 and 3, and I believe there's an inference to the rapture or the catching away of the believers. After this, I looked and behold, the door was open in heaven. Remember the three heavens, atmospheric, interstellar, and where God lives. It says in the first voice, which I heard, remember from chapter one in verse 10, was it were of a trumpet, powerful, pervasive, talking with me, which said, come up hither. And so John is being projected into the future by the Holy Spirit, much as he was in chapter 1 in verse 10 when he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. He was projected into a time period known as the day of the Lord. Well, here it says, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit. And that's chapter 1 and verse 10, the same idea, some kind of spirit-like trance. And it says, And behold, a throne was set in heaven. This is the third heaven, the throne representing God's sovereignty, God's dominion over all. 
world leaders might think they are number one, but they're not. God is number one. It says, and one sat on the throne. And remember, we're told when we have needs to come to the throne of grace, God is sitting on this throne. It says, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper. Jasper is our idea today of a diamond. It was also the first stone on the high priest's breastplate representing Reuben, the first son, and that word meant behold a son. And it says, and a sardine stone, that is the red color or the ruby. And this represented Benjamin, which carries the idea of son of my right hand. So there are definitely some Holy Spirit inferences to Jesus being the Son of God, God the Son, and the Son of my right hand. So it says he looked like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. So it was not the colors of the traditional rainbow, but it was a green, beautiful color. So imagine as God being light, all of these beautiful colors coming through these transparent ideas which would make heaven just magnificent and the throne of God more beautiful than we could ever imagine. In verse 4, it says, And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. Some call them thrones, but they are places of honor. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting and clothed in white raiment. I do not believe these are angels, as some commentators feel. I believe that these twenty-four elders could perhaps be 12 of the Old Testament patriarchs and 12 of the apostles. For the white raiment is the righteousness of the saints, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. This is not the diadema crown. That only belongs to our one king who is the Lord, these are victor crowns, victor crowns, and we call these Stephanos in the Greek language. The next thing we see, it says, And round about the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings, talking about the power of God. Whenever you feel the thunder and you see lightning, you just say, There is no power that you can imagine on earth that can have that kind of power. And it says, and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. We do not have seven Holy Spirits, but in Isaiah 11 and verse two, we have the seven dimensions of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, 
And so I believe if you look up Isaiah 11 and verse 2, that's what you will see. As we proceed to the sixth verse, it says, And before the throne there was a sea of glass. There's not a lot that we find about this sea of glass other than I think we have the idea of purity. It's clear. It's crystal clear. I think also the beautiful colors that would be um, reflecting off of this sea of glass would just add to the magnificence. You ever gone down the road and seen a, a beautiful scene and then you see a lake and you see the trees and the house or the barn reflected in the lake? I think that may be the idea here. It also, in my mind, has the idea that the sea of glass is that in God's administration, everything is at peace. Everything is under control. Right now, he's allowing man to do his sinful thing. And when God steps in and says it's all over, it will be all over. But in heaven's administration, you don't have to worry about a thing. That's why in our lives, when we see difficulty and heartache and hurt and death and disease, I can assure you that one day when we enter heaven, all will be peaceful and all will be calm. Some also carry the idea that this sea of glass is like the sea of brass in the tabernacle or the molten sea in the temple. And these things were used to have cleansing waters within them where that the priests would wash ceremonially for their ministry. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed therefore thereto according to thy words. So there's this sea of glass. Someone has also said in a commentary that people need to see there is a distance, not that we can't draw nigh to God, but that between the throne of God and everything else, there is a distance because of his holiness. I think that might carry some weight as well. But it says it was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne there were four beasts. Now, the idea of beasts here is not the word therion, which is used for the beast and the false prophet of Revelation chapter 13. So as I shared with you, the first beast was like a lion, the second like a calf, the third like the son of man or man, and the fourth like an eagle. And I believe also, as I shared, that this is the idea of our Lord in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as the lion of the tribe of Judah, as the servant in the book of Mark, as the son of man in the book of Luke, 
and the eagle representing the Son of God in the book of John. Then it says in verse 8, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him. Remember, it was the seraphim angels in Isaiah, the sixth chapter, that had the six wings, two to cover their feet, two to cover their eyes, and two to fly. It says, And they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night. What were they doing? Protecting the holiness of God. This is a phenomenal picture of an angelic creature, I believe. And we see this also in the book of Ezekiel. And what do they do? They rest not day and night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which is and was and is to come. And when those four beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him, that's what we should be doing every day of our life. When somebody tells us we do something wonderful, thank them, but let's give God all the glory, not man. Glory and honor and thanks. As we enter the Thanksgiving season, we ought to be thankful every day. A good idea for you would be to take a pen and a piece of paper or your tablet and every day just write down everything you're thankful for. For a good night's rest, for a cup of coffee, for a friend that called, be thankful for everything. When those four beasts listen to this, give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever. We so often live for the temporal when we should be living for the eternal. And one day the Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. But look at verse 10 the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne. We as human beings are not worthy of life itself because God is the one that made our lives worth living. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and Worship him that liveth forever and ever. I love beautiful worship music. I love beautiful songs. But it is somehow many times today becoming just a form of human entertainment. The music, the lights, the smoke, the all those kind of things. That's not necessarily true worship. Worship is when we do come before God and say, God, I give you glory. I'm thankful. I fall on my face before you for all the good things you have done and who you are. So the four and 20 elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Remember, they were wearing victor crowns. 
for all the things you've suffered on this earth and you've been faithful to God and you have tried to reach out to others and live a holy life, God is going to reward you for that. And what did they say? Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. So much of our alleged religion of today is so man-oriented when it should be focused on God himself. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are created. Have you ever wondered about your purpose in life? Your purpose is to give glory to God. If you're not a believer, that's your first step. Repent of your sins and receive Christ today by faith. Just make that a simple prayer that you believe with all of your heart that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and you will be saved. Repentance and receiving. And if you're a believer and you're far from God, return to him. Jesus is coming soon. This is Pastor Earl for Faith Life with Pastor Earl and Friends. God bless you. Have a beautiful day.